you get off the golf course today, you could have some moments that will change the course of your life. Hello and welcome to the Golf Practice Podcast. My name is Andy Hayes. With me, Peter Donahue, Pete L., Pete Lineweber. Welcome back, Pete. It's been yeah. a while. It's been too long. Happy to be back. Yeah, Andy and the Pete's. Yeah, <laughs> Pete squared. This is uh, it's Christmas season. I uh, this is our it's a special Christmas episode, Christmas themed wow. episode of the Golf Practice Podcast. So I had to get my two uh, the two Catholics <laughs> on staff. <laughs> Do you Bless consider you. yourself Catholic? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I, I was. You, I know you. Sorry, Don. I was Peter. educated as a you know as a Catholic. Yes. Yeah. I would say that they're my spiritual ancestors. Okay. Did you attend? You went to Catholic school? Is that what? No, you're no, saying? no. But I was raised in the Catholic catechism. And uh, yeah. Are you named after Saint Peter, first Pope? Of course, the Rock. The Rock. Yeah. As is, uh, yes. Oh, absolutely. And when I was a little guy, I mean, that was that was what I would. Uh, that was what interests me about interested me about reading. In the first place, you know, I mean, most of the the books that that I had back then about Jesus and the apostles had all those like Celtic illustrations, you know, back from the Book of Kells or whatever the yeah. hell those things were called. And so I loved the pictures, and so that yeah. sort of got me into like trying to identify the words and stuff like that. And so. So I was, uh, you know, I I was uh, I was all in. I mean, in those days, they said the Latin Mass. There was a lot of incense burning, and you know, a lot of uh, ritual, and it was, uh, you know, I was in. And then I got older, and I started to uh, have some difficulty with the doctrine. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Let's get into it. No, I'm just kidding. Was <laughs> that when you moved out to the That's West not. Coast? Is that when that started? Or well, you know, it was, uh, it was. Yes, I would say that that had a lot to do with it because I took a class my freshman year in Western civilization, and uh, you know, so there was a lot of Judeo-Christian history. And when I started to learn that, you know, not everything that was Catholic doctrine was the stuff that Jesus was talking about. It was stuff that other people when they came after him, some of whom had political ambitions and uh, and wanted the you know the, the the picture of heaven to substantiate their throne here on earth. Sure. So a lot of this stuff was like contradictory. You know, Saint Paul said this, Saint Augustine said that, and it was like, wait a minute. And then you'd ask the priest to like reconcile these contradictions and he'd say well we that's the mystery of faith he said you'll understand that when you get to heaven but you're not you know you're not as a human being you're not capable of comprehending the truth about the blessed trinity well you know he might have been right. We don't know. Well, he, he might have been right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll find we'll out. We'll find out. <laughs> um, I, uh, you want, I mean, do you want to say anything about you? I don't know why I can give you a, about, my, about your, your Catholicism. I mean, yeah, I was similar to Pete. I was born and raised Irish Catholic, went to Catholic middle school, Catholic high school, and Catholic university, so. It's kind of all I knew as far as the school perspective goes. But when I got to college was the first time that I took classes that like made me think about it and question it in a way that I had just accepted before. Um, but I don't think we need to get into yeah, all that. Yeah, no, now. no. I mean, we're this is ultimately <laughs> going to be about some positive parts of of the tradition. That I, okay. So I was raised evangelical, which is kind of like the they're trying to almost do away with the traditions. A little bit of like it's just about it's only about what the Bible says and like our interpretation of the Bible that's the truth rather than like the traditions mm -hmm. of like hundreds and thousands of years of the way people have been doing things. So I, at the time, I was like, wow, that's definitely like the way to do it. It's the best way. Like, why would people do, you know, things any differently than this? Um, and then I married Jenny. I started dating and then married Jenny who was Catholic and her whole family was Catholic. And so like we would go to mass on, uh, you know, on Christmas and stuff. And I was like, I'd be so annoyed that 
I couldn't do I couldn't do the commun- take the communion. Yeah. You know, which you have to be you have to be Catholic to do. And I was like, why are we, it's just traditions, like the, these sermons are so bad, like you're showing these same readings, everyone's just like mumbling these words and I just didn't I was like this is this is not the way to be to be doing things. That's pretty that was, you know, a while and then but then I started to realize one year I realized that nobody actually stopped me, stopped you from doing it, from like going up to get the, the wafer. They don't check your ID. No. And so like before I would like sit, I was like following the rules. I would like sit in the pew and like people would like step over me because you're like yeah. not going up. Like, well, you can is, go up and cross your not, arms. Yeah, you, that's you didn't worse because the people steps. are confused. I've yeah. done that too. The, but then the person giving it to you is like, it's pretty confused. They... They know what you're doing, but there's like, oh, they're yeah, they're know, caught off they're guard. They're caught off guard because yeah. it's like, uh, so I just saw it, and I would just stay. And again, people are just stumbling over me. It's like, <laughs> not this is not my like Christmas Eve, you know, that yeah. I was hoping. <laughs> I'm not connecting with, with anything yeah. at this point. So then I realized like I can just go, and no one will stop me. And so I did that. So that was a freeing, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that people be, maybe be upset at, at me doing that. Hope you guys don't slam your mics down, storm off. Um, <laughs> But so, but then, um, and then now I don't like, I haven't been to, I don't go, don't really go to church anymore, but I would still consider myself a spiritual person in a lot of different ways. And so one of the things I've been thinking about this Christmas is the theme of hope, which is in like the liturgical calendar. You guys know about like liturgical mm-hmm. calendar, you know, no, sort of like yeah. every, basically it's like. Every year, there's just like certain themes and certain ideas that you just like repeat over and sure. over and over. And the Catholics do it more than like the Protestants, but like they all kind of have it. And so, uh, initially, when I was back like in the church, I thought that these were just like bo- you were just kind of stuck in your ways, right? Like, why are we just doing this again? Like, we should be more creative and forward thinking and think of different things that connect with people. But, but now, kind of looking back, I am I actually like, appreciate the uh, the seasonality of some of these ideas and that uh, one of these ideas of like hope, just like it just reminds you of it like each year, right? And so like t- that it could, uh, there's that song that the line in it is like the thrill of hope. So that, that caught my attention this year and just the idea that uh, once a year you're just invited to uh, think about this in your life is kind of just a good, a good reminder to do. Mm-hmm. Um, is that this time of year? Is that that uh, kind of yeah? It's just in those. For that? yeah yeah. Um, is there what any other thing? Idea. Maybe I'm. Am I leaving anything out? No, I'm you not. nailed it. I mean, the liturgical calendar that I remember learning about was like you know Advent and then Christmas and then Ordinary Time and then Lent and then Easter yeah. and then Ordinary Time again. I think Christmas was always a lot long. The actual season of Christmas is a lot longer than you think. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know if either of you know what the actual number of days it is, but it's way more than than one. It's like three or four weeks or something like that. And Advent is four weeks, obviously, before yeah. that. So does does the does Christmas extend beyond the 25th? It does, it? yeah. Yeah, technically we're in Advent. It's a, Today's the 20th. But we're in, if, we were, if you were a good person following the liturgical calendar, you wouldn't, you wouldn't sing any Christmas music until Christmas. Oh. Like, mm-hmm. it's all, there's Hallelujah Advent music. At, at yeah. At yeah. the birth. Yeah, yeah. So There's, like, w- the third week is, like, the pink candle. I remember that. You know, you light the Advent yeah. candles, oh, and then the go. third week, not the fourth week, is the pink candle for some reason. And the fourth week, I believe, oh, is yeah. Christmas. Oh, colors. So yeah. last Sunday was the pink, the pink candle. For crime. Do you remember that? No. No? Yeah, wow. the candle. They light a new candle, and it's like they have a little wreath of four candles, yeah. and then one in the middle, and each Sunday of Advent, you light a candle, and each candle kind of has a theme. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, one of those themes is, is hope. I think maybe it sometimes changes each year. But but Advent is supposed to be this time of like of like waiting, like expectation. I see. And then Christmas is like the celebration of of when Jesus comes. Um, and so, but and we, it goes far beyond yeah, just the day going. of Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes into the new year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like the idea of hope. Yeah, yeah. And so, so what I'm thinking about is like I think been thinking about how golf, how being a hopeful golfer is like a benefit to your mental well-being and your and your scores. So I have some ideas. I have some ideas for you, but it's Great. kind of the also connecting with like these I think at their best like the spiritual traditions are being like hey these these ideas and re- thinking of them every year and like reflecting on them in your life is like a good part of being human. Right? Like it'd be a good thing. To, it'd be a valuable thing to just like 
be a hopeful person. Yeah. That's kind of like what they're teaching at a big picture. And I know, like, as you're saying, Pete, there's a lot of other, there's a lot of other baggage that comes with these good thoughts. But like, generally, this idea of like, hey, like a good part, a good thing to do would be to to think about these things every once in a while, or at least for them, it's once a year. But as I'm talking about in a second, like for golf, I think golf, uh, you, you know, we talk about like just take it one shot at a time. But like this gives you like as many shots as you're going to take, like you have that many opportunities to like have a different outlook or to be hopeful or to think of things kind of differently. Um, I'm, I'm curious if you guys, would you say you were, would you call yourself hopeful golfers? Cause I wouldn't, I'll, I'll, I, when I was a college golfer, I, uh, maybe I'll set up the question better. Um, when I played in college, I either, would like start out my rounds pretty good and I would then then it's like okay now I have something to kind of hold on to right mm -hmm. and to protect and defend there's no there's no like well I hope uh, like let's see where this goes or like let's stay in the moment it was like no now I have to like okay I'm three over through 12 like let's see can I make two bogeys in the last six holes and then I'll have 75 which would be good you know that was the type of thinking or it was like oh I bogeyed the first four now I'm just going to keep, it's basically the round is over, right? So mm -hmm. it's like these stories were already like predisposed in my mind. And so none of those is, I would say, someone who's who's like a hopeful golfer is like seeing that, hey, it only takes like one shot for things to change or to be around. Like you're always just staying open to like the possibilities of, of Pete. You used to talk about like waiting for the miracles that you see on the course. Like you can't, if you don't even leave space that a miracle could happen, like you're not even gonna see them. So I'm curious. Do you guys have any? Like, have you? Uh, maybe your the way your your mindset is different now than than it used to be. But um, any any stories or any? You want to go first, Pete? I, I I would say I'm definitely a hopeful, much more hopeful golfer now than ten years ago. Um, I think. I'm more excited for what could happen than fearful of what could happen. Um, maybe that's because I don't play competitive golf anymore. That could be part of it. But I put a lot of pressure on myself when I was playing competitively. And I've told this on the podcast before of like so much so that if I was playing around recreationally with my grandfather or my sister or something, I would treat every shot like it was the final round of the Masters, you know? And I, would live and die with the results. Um, I've since moved on from that. Um, so I think I'm, I, like I said, I think I'm much more, I embody hopefulness more now than I used to. And are you, are you intentional about that? Or is it just something? I think happens? it naturally like, happens. What does it come from? Like, what do you try to focus on that makes you? Well, I think it that? came from, again, leaving competitive golf. It came from, entering the golf business, helping people improve as players, as humans, as people, um, looking at golf from a different perspective, you know, playing with a half set, playing with a, a persimmon driver, what things that, that took the pressure away from the score and the result helped me. So there was no, I don't, I don't focus on it before I hit a shot or before I play around of like, no, I need to be hopeful <laughs> yeah, yeah, each yeah. time. I don't focus on it but I think it's happened naturally as I've gotten older. I think hopefulness, you know, is a, hopefulness is a, a, an act of, of optimism, you know, and, 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 I, and I think that, um, I think the optimism, you know, my optimism has grown, um, you know, from the time that I was, let's say, an adolescent in the game uh, you know, to um, to where it is right now, where it is today, where whereas you know the the next shot or the next hole or the next opportunity is its own thing, you know, and and I do have uh, as we've talked about before, I do have a mindset, a voice in my head that's looking to to set the world's record, you know, for today's round. That's looking for a number score you know, that can be a recognizable trophy, recognizable to me in my life because the score always was the trophy, right? That was, was um, you know, uh, 
interesting in the history of the game. You know, you have it in your, I believe it there, your books that are back in the crow's nest up there, and you have, uh, you have uh, uh, the history of golf that uh, that I'm, I've started mm. to read. And it was interesting that the idea of keeping score <laughs> that wasn't that didn't always come with the game. You know, that wasn't in the early gaming of it. And as golf perhaps evolved from Paul Mall and Chole and Colvin and, you know, these other sports that were being played with ball and stick or club, um, it, was, <clears throat> it, was a, it was a cross-country field hockey game that was played with different rules, but even after, you know, they stopped like, um, you know, it used to be kind of like croquet where when in Chole, you know, you would um, play, you'd get three, your side would get three shots to advance it to the church door or whatever from, you know, from wherever we were 500 yards away. And uh, and after the three shots, the decholer would get one shot at the ball and, you know, put you in backwards or in some terrible lie situation. And so, um, and so when golf was evolved so that there was no defense like that, everybody was just playing their own ball, they were still playing matches against each other. And it wasn't, it wasn't until the 17th century or something like that that they started keeping track. What was that game called? Chol. C H O L E. Sounds like a fun game. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and you know, and the ideas of of like uh, the the original golf games were you know just more like they were sort of um, confined. They were either distance games or they were like um, you know forms of golf in a room. You know, like putting games and you know, and that kind of thing. So, but putting them all together is sort of what the Scots did. Uh, and, and so that, that the game that they evolved was like no defense, not just long shots, but, you know, once you approach the, t- the goal, there were more finesse and more delicate shots. And so we needed to invent other clubs, you know, to like loft the ball over the pit and, and that kind of thing. And then score evolved. And now we act like, and we've all been socialized, like, well, that's it. That's the only part of the game. Well, p- part of what's, what's uh, occurred for me is that um, out of deliberateness uh, and, and, uh, and also, uh, you know, taking on the, the challenge that age and, you know, physical decline you know, have visited upon me, um, you know, the idea of, of uh, seeing things as growth opportunities, you know, is, is the basis for my optimism that, you know, that this is a growth opportunity. And, and, and what kind of growth? Well, you know, now I see the world clearer. I see acceptance, you know, as a growth Right, accepting that I'm not as strong as you are anymore. You know, much as I admire, you know, what you're able to do and would love to be able to have the power to hit my my ball like you guys do. <laughs> that's not what am I going to do with that? Am I going to sit here and be envious, or am I going to just admire what you can do and how you can relate to targets that are very far away and hit these long soaring shots, but also to feel um, satisfied, you know, that given what I have to give the feeling that I've given it my best, you know, that I've, as one of the students that came in the other day, I put my weight into it, you know, and I've gotten all of it, or I've, I've connected with the target in an extraordinary way and have, hold it out or, you know, put it very close. And, you know, and I can, I can feel those things. I can relate to those things. I know when, you know, something is, um, is caused by 
something else, if you know what I mean. I mean, sometimes there's just randomness, and sometimes they're like, is no. That connection, I felt that connection before I made that shot. And you know how amazing that is. Definitely. Would you say a level of acceptance is almost essential to becoming being a, a hopeful golfer or playing with hope? Yes, I would. I would. Like, an, like they say in King, Golf in the Kingdom, like acceptance of where you are on the golfing ladder is like an important thing for everyone. Not, you know, even like really, really good players versus, uh, you know, really even actually beginner players where like if you're expecting something to happen that it's just maybe out of line with where you're, what you're capable of, mm-hmm. like you're just going to be too frustrated, too frustrated by it. It's a fine yes. line to, to, to say because uh, it's like, well, you don't want to, well, do I just assume that I, you know, I suck at golf? Like that's what someone's going to say. But I don't think that's what I'm saying. No. I, I think sometimes, you know, when you're aware that you've sabotaged yourself, <laughs> sure. you know, I mean, what you can say about that is that you just didn't have, er, given everything that you've learned and experienced about life, yeah. that's the best you can do. And the fact that you would sabotage yourself in this situation simply means you need more practice. Yeah. You need more, you know, pointedly, you know, go, you know, recognizing honestly that, yes, I get, if you want to call that overstimulated, you know, or I took on a challenge that was, uh, that was, that was, well, either, you know, they, they uh, you know, in, in uh, studies about optimal experience, matching the challenge to your skill level so that it causes a reach, but it's still something that you could, if if you gave it everything you had, you could achieve, right? But there's, but to get that, to get onto that edge before, if the challenge is too great for your skill level, then anxiety, you know, will be the result. If, if the, on the other hand, the challenge isn't enough, then boredom will be the result. So finding that place, right, it, that, that, that calls you to give your best is great game playing, is great mindset, you know, finding the yardage, setting the expectation, and knowing that perhaps, you know, you've made a decision to take a shot that 60% chance of success, and then it goes in the water, well, what are you going to say about that? Hey, it wasn't a sure thing. It was a 60% chance. Right. So, hey, did I enjoy the challenge? Did I and, – and how did I do? Do I did I was I aware of really choking? Was there a hint of a choke? Was it a little choke? Or was it like, no, I actually did as good as I could do, you know, I just too much wind, you know, or hey, listen, I can only, you know I hit a I hit a weak pull cut right now thirty three percent of the time. And so it's gonna pop up. Yeah. Oh, it popped up. You take up. that with the the chance that you did hit it, and you're like, "Damn, I, I got it." Yeah. You know, you hit the shot, and it, but you you took on the challenge of knowing that, and you accepted that there was a, like you said, a forty percent chance that you you failed. Yeah, and you did that when I. It seems to me we were. I remember we were talking about the round that you uh, you guys played at uh, the Glen Club, right? Where you had a go at the green on the last hole and. You didn't get there, but but it was like, yes, yeah, a thrilling shot. I got there. I was just plugged in the bunker. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay, that was it. So I had the distance, but I didn't take into account that those bunkers are deep right in the short right part of that green. Yeah. And I made a bogey. Yeah. 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 But it was a, you know. But it was a fun shot. Yeah. That's, yeah a cool, that's, a, that's a great hole for that type of, I mean, if you hit a good drive, it goes all the way down that hill. You still got to hit a phenomenal iron shot to get it on the green but you yeah. have a shot and you could have done that differently you yeah. could have said no no i'll hit up i'll hit a pitching wedge over the bunker and put it in front of the green by 80 yards and then i'll wedge it onto the green and maybe i'll make birdie but you wanted that moment 
right? You wanted to go for it. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you do that, you know, it's like, hey, hold your head up. You know, I mean, if you gave yourself a good chance at it and you didn't, you know, whatever happens, you know, if you quavered, you know, because it, it, it was too, the moment was too much for your nervous system, well then, is that a correctable error or is that like, that's just the way you're going to be from now on? You know, how are you looking at that? Well, me, I'm going to say, no, I believe I can change myself. I need to, you know, be in this moment more and, you know, feel that excitement come up and see, you know, what I can do to get more comfortable in it so that my muscles won't tense up or, you know, whatever it is, right? You just need more experience, son. How do you guys feel about blind shots? Like in general? How do yeah. I feel? Do you enjoy it? I or? hated it until we played Lasonia two years ago. Okay. I thought they were the dumbest thing in the world. That you could hit a shot that you thought was good and get up there and it was in the bushes or something. But you weren't able to see it go in the bushes. But there's something about like just you trust in your the guy that you're playing with that told you, hey, hit it here or your caddy or somebody else and you hit it there and we'll go see where it is. So I'm, I don't love them, but I don't hate them like I used to. That round changed it for me. Uh -huh. I think it's a particular, yeah, it's a particular kind of challenge, you know, that you're, uh, the, since you don't have anything visual to kind of anchor yourself, you've got to anchor yourself in the sky or you've got to anchor yourself into a, you know, a nondescript window you know the, the window doesn't exist until you put it there right because there's no aiming point it's it's like uh you know larry bird's windows in the sky you know with his three-point shooting you gotta choose the window and you gotta create it for yourself and um and i didn't used to love them either and i find them to be particularly challenging but I, that's the way I, I look at it is like yeah this is a cool challenge because there's no there's nothing for me to anchor my visualization process on there's no tree that i can draw a laser line in my mind and spatially get up to it i've got to i've got to invent the visualization myself you know and and put it out there in uh you know, the opaque sky and say, I wonder if I can hold that image in my mind while mm -hmm. I'm doing this. Yeah, I know. think... Do you like them? Yeah, I do. I think that... Uh, I do, especially since going to Scotland, because Scotland is just full of them. That you would, If you don't like blind shots, you're not going to like playing there. Um, <laughs> and so that just, that I like playing there and then it's full of blind shots makes me like them more kind of in other places. But I'm thinking about the idea that, like, how your reaction to blind shots is kind of a barometer of, like, how hopeful of a golfer that you can be. Because a lot of times, like, you don't like them because you can't necessarily see where they're, where the ball is going to go, where it's going to land. So that brings anxiety. But then there's also the five minutes until you actually see where your ball goes. That, like, if you're so, like, concerned about where that ball is, like, almost, like, too concerned about the outcome or the answer, that, like, you're not going to enjoy that experience experience mm -hmm. ever and so like if you can get to that place where like yes you want to do well and you're like hopeful that you do well but like you're able to hold it in a way where you're it's not gonna drive you crazy i think that's a good place to play from um and like blind shots are just a way of like revealing like where you're at on that scale mm -hmm. um this one i my favorite craziest part three i've ever played is it's at uh this course called Shiskin in Scotland and it's hole four and like that's oh, the green wow. like way at the top it's like a hundred yards straight up the hill uh, that's awesome. no a hundred feet up straight uphill the hole is hundred and yeah. hundred and thirty yards there's two little flags at the top of it one of them is a flag that you like raise and lower to let them know if you're on the green or off the green because you can't see you can't actually yeah. see the green or even like anyone standing on the green and then the other one is just kind of like this aiming post and so like 
that's one where you hit it. It's like, I think it's good. It could be, you know, it could be lost ball, could be on the green, could be in the hole. Mm-hmm. And just like that, that to me is like got to be really exciting as like yeah. going up after it. Cause, well, if it's good, great. But if it's not, like, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. I think it's similar to, or similar feeling. Like, I just went to, um, uh, Gaylord, Michigan to this course called Treetops, which has these incredible, elevation drops and you know you hitting up you're hitting down every hole and like there's a par three on this they have a par three course there and this third hole is 240 yards or something but it's downhill like 50 or 60 yards and the ball's in the air for what feels like an hour and if you hit it good you're like we'll see and you're just watching this thing fall and you can't tell where it's gonna land you can think that you you can tell but sometimes it looks like oh that's going to be pin high and then it lands like 50 yards short or like right in the trees long but that feeling while the ball's in the air because it's in the air for twice as long as a normal shot i yeah. think just playing that I, i'm more if i had played that 10 years ago yeah. i'd be more i'd hate that type of hole as opposed to now it's like kind of it's exciting the ball's flying through similar to that where you have no idea when it, but you can't even see it land on that yeah. part three different but similar yeah, yeah. It's, I think ultimately, we don't we don't have as much control over like the outcome of the game, whether it's keeping score or making a match. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know how it's going to turn out, even though like sometimes we think we do, so we sabotage ourselves. But so like, in uh, like the blind shot is just an example of like, well, you you think you know how it might turn out, but you really you really don't know, and you kind of just have to have to trust and <laughs> hope it you know hope it mm-hmm. works out and. But then also practice like not being so upset if it didn't work out the way you thought, or if well you thought the line was this tree, but it's actually this tree, and different mm-hmm. different things like that. Um, yeah, yeah. There was a line in this history um, talking about coming out of a certain age with the game, and and someone made the comment that uh, you know with the equipment changes and the changes in the course. That the uh, that the golf courses in the game was a much sterner test than the old game, but that there was something about the old game and its um, I, I want to say a test of your spirit, you know, that they said uh, seemed to have gone out of it. And part of that, I think, what they were speaking about was luck. Uh, you know, sure. the, yeah, that yeah. that. You know, there was this element of, of, of yes, you, you needed to be skillful uh, and physically. You needed to uh, be able to master your own mind. Uh, but then there was also luck. Sure. You know, I mean, the, the good bounce, the bad bounce, you know. And, I mean, it's all part of it, laddie. Well, I think you there's know, luck. Are you up for yeah. that? Yeah. But then it's how you, and maybe what they're getting at is like, it's how you respond to the, the you know, quote, luck or quote, bad luck yeah. of like, when you get a bad bounce, you, can you still hit the next shot or are you so like upset about it? Like that's a skill. Like we almost should train that skill in golf, right? Like how do you keep your mind in it when you get the bad bounce? Because you're going to have a bad bounce or it's not going to break as much as you thought or whatever. The wind knocks it down into a bunker. Like how do you... And these are on shots that you can see. So mm-hmm. on, on blind shots, it's going to be even more, even more extreme. Um, I think you go play Canal Shores for 15 years. You'll get some bad bounces out there, and then you'll get used to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You get and, some bounces that don't even make any any physical sense. Sure. No, and and that's exactly what it's like playing uh, Lynx golf. I mean, it's just like what, <laughs> what, what? You yeah. know, and sometimes um, you know it goes the other way for you. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, what a great shot you hit. Well, not really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you know, it doesn't matter, lad. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's all part of the part of the deal. And you know, and it's an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, interesting thing. You know, because uh, it's been said before. You know, your your reputation is what the outside world thinks about you your character is who you really are and if you thought about you know the fact that um that that person that gets the bad bounce 
you know, in our culture is just a loser, right? It's, it's like, you know, hey, it's just a guy that won, right? That's the only, that's the only thing. That reputation is the only thing that, that, uh, that we're sort of educated about that really matters, right? It's yeah. like your 15 minutes of fame or how much your, your measure of yourself is how much fame did you achieve, you know, as a winner of a major, not the person who, you know, who met the moment, but the fates just said, yeah. Sure. Yeah, like golf is just a game of reacting and responding to things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just as much as it is like a game of having a good swing. So. Yeah. Very, very much so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that's a, but that's that's sort of a new that that's sort of a um, that's not in vogue. No, but it's true. It's like I experience it myself. I feel like that's one of my best traits as a golfer. Is I'm like good at responding to to things, even my own like terrible shots, so I can keep up with people who. Like on a driving, have better like driving range swings than me. Yeah. But I can like play competitively with them. So like, there has to be some reason that that's there. So I don't. Uh, but it's hard to it's harder to measure. You can't really take a video of it. No, but what you can do is is you know measure your sort of comfort inside your own skin as you're playing yeah. because you know when you don't. When you don't have that and you're playing with somebody that's yeah. got sure. got it and you ain't got it, then, you know, I think it shows up in your game. But you're, you know, how comfortable you are with, you know, who you are as a, as a player, you know, means that you can, you can go anywhere and enjoy yourself, right? Because you're not going to get all choked up about, what if I don't match them? What if I don't, you know? And so, you you know, you're in a position to do your best. You know, you're, and, and, and I think that that's a, that's a hell of a place to be. You know, when uh, that sort of, because uh, now you're freed. You're freed up, right? You're not... You don't have a whole, all those things that can shut you down. Uh, you know, you've eliminated a lot of them. And I think that that's why I think Annika Sorenstam is, to me, is like, she gets the, uh, at the life a career award for being an astronaut, you know, because she was perfectly willing to want to go out and play at that next level. Right, and with women, there is a next level. That's where the men play from. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. you know the the physically stronger athletes, and she wanted to experience that. She wasn't worried about, you know, destroying her brand yeah, by being that. exposed. Yeah. Sure. Oh, you know, n- you're not as good as the men. Uh, you know, she did. She didn't care about any of that. Just said, "Hey, let's go tee it up." Yeah, that's a that's a, a personality trait that'll take you far outside of golf too, not just with golf. Honestly, yeah. The, she was trained by a Vision Fifty Four Academy people, and they they have you rate practice rating shots when you're after you've hit them using the scale of um, great, good, good enough, or needs more information. Mm-hmm. With with that being kind of the the lowest grade, you know, the lowest grade you could give something um, with the idea being like, well, if you, you know, if you skull a chip over the green, but then you chip the next one in, like you needed more information on that, that sculled shot because it's like, you don't, you didn't know ultimately like how it was going to turn out mm-hmm. or like if you missed the two foot putt, but then you got a hole in one on the next hole. Well, it's like you kind of needed more information on the two foot putt because you didn't quite see how it react you know how it impacted impacted everything and so i think that's a way like that's training being how to be hopeful right that you're not projecting anything onto the future or you're not assuming something will happen or you're not letting one one bad shot like take over 
who you are, um, which I think is a valuable, valuable thing. Um, the last thing I have for you guys about hope is the difference between hope and expectation. For me, if like you can be the times where I've played my best this at least this past year, I had no I had no like expectation of doing so. They were at like I was at a great course where I was just, like really just happy to be there, or it was like oh I got to get out on a Monday at at Bryn Mawr where like normally I wouldn't normally be able to play here, so I was just, like happy to be there. And I ultimately like, had the best round of the year, but then my worst rounds of the year were when I was like driving to the course like psyching myself up being like okay you're gonna shoot under par today like you haven't done that in a while like let's let's post a score like mm-hmm. yeah you t- you like to play matches but like let's post a score this time and then like those were easily my my like worst time kind of this like expectation that i everything was kind of measured by um do you do you guys find that at all yeah um I mean, back to the competitive golf days, like in high school and college, like I think you go, I would get super nervous for tournaments. I've always, I would get nervous for any really, any golf round for that matter. That's just how my personality, but I learned to like accept those nerves and be kind of like that show that I cared, that show that I was excited or, or ready for the challenge, but it meant that it mattered to me, but I would always like, in my brain, if I was on the, like, similar to what you said earlier, if I had, and this is more so earlier, so high school golf, like if I was th- three over through 14, I would, like, in my head say, how many bogeys can I make and still break 80? Because I was, like, my expectation was to break 80, but, like, what's the worst I can do and still accomplish my goal? And, like, you, as you get older, you learn how dumb of a way to think about it that is. Um, but I can't help expectations. I think they just naturally, sometimes they just, like you said, on the drive to the course or the night before a big round or, um, a couple weeks before a a trip that you're excited about, like you're going to have expectations for yourself. I think everybody does a little bit. How you deal with them is kind of what defines how you'll actually perform. But, um, I don't know if I'll ever get away from that completely i think you just have to accept back to acceptance accept that there's a possibility that you completely fail those expectations are completely with um and again i think with age and with maturity that starts to go away more and more i don't know if that answers your question but well no it does you know i think that uh, yeah i think that hope for me is uh, is is possibility an expectation is something that can be disappointed, mm-hmm. you know. But the the that you go to a, a place with the possibility, you know, that you could do some some good things, um, and that you can walk with your, um, you know, with your expectations and all your other foibles, you know, because that's that's part of it. And I, you know, and. and when you you know uh, mentioned this, Andy, I, you know what came into my mind was the round that we played together at uh, Sand Valley, and uh, uh, that we played on. Uh, is it just called Sand Valley? What's the f- original yeah, golf Sand course Valley. called? Yep, yep that's Sand Valley. Day. Yeah, yeah, because you know the beginning of that round was for me was you know was just possibility i was really fearful the wind was blowing like crazy i was playing left-handed i didn't feel particularly good about it you know uh even though i had a hundred yard shot in on the first hole i how i got to the green was by punching a four iron that you know was a good shot and it was a creative shot and it was a it was a shot that was like reasoned out by me um knowing that my my emotional profile, my nervous profile wasn't strong, right? I mean, I knew if I pulled out a wedge, I'd swing at it as hard as I could, and the odds of making solid contact and not just ballooning it straight up in the air were pretty slim, you know? Uh, And so, and then the second hole, you know, uh, and the third hole, um, you know, I really played to the top of my 
my current level of ability. You know, the fact that, and, and so that stands out to me, you know, like, well, that was a possibility. Now, did expectations come into play, you know, later on? Yeah, I think that they're distractions. The expectations are demands, you know, for they get you into defensive mindsets like you're, like you're saying, those of us who try to break a, a number rather than, you know, push ahead. Mm-hmm towards 70 and 65 it's like prevent defense prevent defense exactly <laughs> never works it never works but you know we but i certainly every time you open your mouth and start talking about that i mean everything you say resonates with me i mean because i that's the way i share those same feelings and i dare say a lot of people do and so it is something that you have to walk with and I used to think when I was a kid that those voices in my head, that that was actually God talking, telling me the truth, you know, not some scared little man behind the curtain, yeah. you know. Uh, and so, so I think learning to treat those voices of expectation, um, you know, just like they were, uh, you know, magpies, you know, or the two, two old men up in the, the Muppets up in the balcony, you know, yelling at you, you know, it's like, that's all they are. You know, it's just, uh, it's just that, you know, and be, have to have a sense of humor about it and, um, and maintain that sense of, Hey, listen, anything's possible, right? Yeah. I mean, I think hope versus an expectation are definitely in the same they're in the same family of like things that your mind does or like or or could do, right? But I think mm-hmm. for people, most people, expectation is like the default setting that you never at least like assume there's a different way of going about it. It's like, well, yeah, that's just the way to do it. Like for you, Pete, like you parred the first three holes. Now you know. Does the expect does it go to like? Well, now now I can break. Now I'm gonna break eighty, right? Like, and now mm-hmm. like. And now it's like you just definitely you set like a benchmark that you'll either succeed at or fail at, and usually, like we don't succeed, you don't like succeed at them. Whereas like, could you also like have stayed in the headspace like, well, yeah, it'd be possible to break eighty. Like I could break eighty now. Like I'm hitting the ball good, but I'm gonna stay like just committed to my process and what I'm doing, and I'm not gonna like get too far ahead of myself. I think that's a harder, a harder thing to do. But for me. Like when I do that, I end up performing a lot better. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I think coming in with your number and knowing you were leaking oil and that you felt like a coward is, is a pyrrhic victory. You know, it's like it's like I feel damaged. <laughs> but I, I, I'm not that okay, I shot a number which I should be satisfied about, but I I didn't cross the finish line, you know, with a with a strong posture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that people can resonate with the leaking oil feeling. Yeah. Where you know it's there. Yeah. And you can't do anything about it. Yeah. yeah. You're on the 15th tee box and you're, just get me to the, get me to the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. But you, that experience is a lot more valuable if you're like in a hopeful state as opposed to like a state of expectations. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. So that's, I guess circling back it's like the back to where we started with like the like the spiritual traditions like have been reminding themselves of this every year for like thousands of years right that's like good hope is a good thing to do or to like to have and so like in golf as we're talking about here like it's almost like proving out that that's like a true thing Mm -hmm. in the world as opposed to just like well it's a nice idea well it's like no you can actually experience it and have times where like you're playing hopeful and you end up like with a better experience and better scores and times when you're not and it doesn't yeah work out for you as well so i think in that way golf is like a teach you know golf could almost be a better teacher than like going to a better teacher about hope than going to church right like um yeah, because yeah. you're not sitting there passively yeah. listening to somebody tell you about hope you're actually practicing hope yeah yeah Definitely. Uh, I mean, I think there's a reason. Like, I remember when Barack Obama was running for president. Like his his 2008 his 
tech campaign line was hope and like that just that one word that's a pretty powerful tagline it know? really is like that I'm not going to say that that won him the presidency because a lot more did but that was pretty I mean I was an impressionable age I think I was 12 or 13 at that time I remember being like wow that's everybody can resonate with with well, that word yeah well and you know and, and now as you're saying that I think to myself is like is hope is really a statement uh you know, it's like calling, some people would word it, calling a future into being, you know, mm-hmm. because, because you know, I remember when, when President Obama was running and that was, I mean, we had pictures in our minds. That meant something to us. That wasn't just H-O-P-E. That was like, oh, no, we could see people being treated better by – we could see ourselves coming together and, you know, reaching over the aisles. And uh, and the fact that none of that happened was like, well, well I guess. But but those were the visions that we were entertaining. Yeah. And, and when you have those visions, I mean, that there is something magnetic about that. You know, so your hopeful visions, if – if you establish them at New Year, about you know about the year, fire you to get into action and um, and you know dream the dream the future into being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. All right, guys, that's all I got for today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I Thank hope you. you have a very spiritually rewarding holiday, both yeah. of you. Yeah, Thank you, you as well. Thank you. All right, everyone. Before you get off the golf course today, you could have some moments that will change the course of your life.